Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of the Facts Podcast. In case you're wondering why I'm sounding croaky, it's not because of COVID. I'm just recovering from an immense hangover and just waking up from a nap. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I'd like to introduce Daniel. Hi all. Good evening. Uh, and of course, myself, Michael, um, your fantastic co-host of the Facts. Um, on today's episode, we will be discussing the NBA just to pick up from our previous um, or to follow on our theme of talking about sports. Um, last week, we discussed, we gave our review of the Premier League season. And today we will be sort of discussing the NBA season, but really talking about the, the bubble and then also what's been going on recently as well. Um, so without further ado, uh, we're going to jump right into the bubble also known as the Disney bubble, the Orlando bubble, and the isolation zone. <laughs> the isolation. I like the isolation zone. Um, yeah. And just a uh, quick correction. Um, obviously, it's been more than a week <laughs> since our last episode, but, uh, you know, we were back and, uh, yeah, we've, we've listened to our fans. So, new episode uh, right off the bat for you guys. Yeah, back by popular demand. <laughs> yes. Uh ISO zone, uh, which is, so yeah, the bubble, the ISO zone, as Dan said, uh, at Walt Disney Bay Lake uh, in Florida. It's a, from what I've been uh, reading up, a $170 million investment by the NBA to protect yeah. the league, uh, which is understandable. Um, I guess uh, the main reason for this being, well, the NBA has entered into several various contracts with corporate sponsors, obviously. Yeah. They need the revenues from ticket sales. Bought, yep, exactly. That, that's a, uh, um, a pretty big one. Apparently, what, 2.6, they, NBA receives somewhere around $2.5 billion in revenue from TV. Wow. And actually, um, I think after the league was suspended, no, I think, but after the league was suspended, um, so the main, I guess, companies that, that, that pay the NBA, the broadcasting money, are Disney and Turner. They actually continued to pay after the uh, league was suspended in March. However, had Disney not, uh, or had the NBA not resumed games by the 30th of July, Disney would have had to pay that. No, the NBA would have had to pay that money back to Disney and Turner. Yeah, it's probably. I mean, contractually, as um, you know, the the term of the contract would have stated that. Um, yeah. In in the event that, for want of a better word, the entertainment and this is the crux of I think some of the. Uh, moral issues or the um not so tangible issues um exemplified by Kyrie Irving saying the players shouldn't play and so far as it's a it's entertainment at the end of the day uh, yeah you know I've been watching the playoffs they've been very good um it's it's I think the bubble has worked in terms of a plain approach but obviously um as we will get to it the bubble came at a time um following you know, massive movement um, after Judge Floyd's death and kind of the cry for change. And um, yeah, so I think it's it's that it's that age old question. Um, do you maintain the status quo in order to, to bring some sort of economic balance or to redress as in this con this in this situation, a contractual um, promise? Um, and how do you balance that with the moral issues and the social issues that are rife um, and are so, so overdue. And 
when you look at the constitution of the MBA, um, mm-hmm. I think 70 to 80% African-American or black. Um, so I make that distinction in so far as there are also black players like Yanis Atatakumpo, um, who is a key figure in one of the topics we'll discuss later um, mm-hmm. in terms of the protests um, during the bubble. These are black players that are not African-American, um, but who have taken a stand um, for issues um, because you know Black Lives Matter is all, all around the world. You know, it's not just an African-American issue. Of course, that's where you know the originates. It, yeah. the, you know, the recent um, movement has kind of sparked from, but um, it's an issue that we're still dealing with here in the UK, in Canada, um, back home on the continent. In countries such as South Africa, um, Kenya, Zimbabwe, um, in the North African countries, in the Middle East, how black people are being treated is still not ideal, still not good. So, yeah, that needs. To, uh, yeah. So, just on on that point, um, if to elaborate on how you, how would you distinguish or would, between a black and African American? I mean, from what I'm understanding, you know, an African American is strictly a, a person of African heritage in who's i guess native to the united states so you know likely descend direct descendants of those who are enslaved and has been there for several generations in comparison to let's say someone who's just family recently emigrated or is actually or is the child of someone who recently emigrated how um i mean if you want to make that distinction i think Mm. it's yes for for one of the it's not ideal and it's definitely not my choice, but I think an arbitrary distinction mm. that can be made is, is that African-American and, you know, um, of African descent, I guess, distinction. Um, so someone like Victor Oladipo, or mm. Oladipo, as he's called, um, <laughs> who's a star guard for the Indiana Pacers, um, his parents are Nigerian. Okay. So he was born in the US, but um, I guess to your point, he wouldn't be called African American. Um, he would be an African American of African descent, I guess, technically. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the point here is that they're all black. Yeah, um, ultimately. So, you know, a Russell Westbrook might be able to trace his lineage to 400 years of um, African Americans from the Deep South, for argument's sake. Um, doesn't make him any less black or any more black than Victor Ladipo. So yeah. I think, like I said, Yanis of Nigerian descent, again, um, born in Greece, um, you know. It's very eclectic he, origin, he, born in Greece, of exactly. like Nigerian descent. Yeah, <laughs> and, and American he took a stance um, with yeah. the box and they decided that, um, you know, following the shooting of Jacob Blake, they were going to take a stand and... Um, because you do have to think that putting the entertainment above the social justice issues is detrimental. Um, just playing basketball, when you know that there are issues that concern people that look like you, people like you. I remember a, year, a couple of years ago, LeBron's house was spray painted with the N-word um, whilst he was playing a playoff game, actually. You know, and... This is one of the most wealthy black economies. Yeah, exactly. Very prominent and influential. So wealth doesn't insulate you. Celebrity doesn't insulate you. Um, At what point do you say, I can't keep entertaining the public when there are issues that concern me, that concern my people? Um, At what point do you say we need to take a stand? And I think that's 
what happened to the Bucks um, when they decided to take that that stance. Um, it's it's challenging because you know from uh, I guess looking at it from a cynical point of view, and we've touched on this. You know, there is a contractual obligation there, and I think it begs the question. I, I guess at what point does a contractual ob- obligation matter? Because from a moral standpoint, I think there's definitely no question of the fact that look, human rights, human lives are being violated here, and this is an excellent platform a pla- uh, for. Especially seeing as the people affected by the, the, the issues, you know, that, that we're going to discuss further, especially police brutality, you know, the racism dominates uh, this, this league. They're the most, they're the most successful, uh, the best remunerated. Yeah. I mean, it's because of the labor of these players that the NBA is, is what it is today. Course, yeah. uh, but at the end of the day, you know, the NBA, it's like, does the, do the players exist for the NBA? Do they have to, you know, so they play well, they give excellent entertainment, which is why people want to watch the NBA to try to make money. Or does the NBA exist for the players in that? Um, it's given the players this structure and this opportunity to show off their talents and attract that celebrity and the wealth that they're earning. So it's, I think from when I was looking and doing my research into this, I think from a purely business point of view, you know, it's a very smart move by... I guess the NBA, because these players, are, if there are no games, if there's no revenue, then everyone is going to lose. No money for the players, mm-hmm. for the other ancillary um, employees in the various teams. Obviously, the league as well is, is screwed because like, you know, just one con- uh, contract with two entities, uh, Disney and Turner, that they'd be on the hook for $2.5 billion, let alone all the other sponsors that are involved with, within the game. So, I mean, but can I just say, like, yeah. dare I say this? The NBA can afford or could have afforded to default on this contract. I think um, I saw a really powerful message from Uber. Mm. Um, and Uber said something like, if you're a racist, please delete our rap. You know, and that's just an unequivocal support. And I must say of the NBA, the NBA has been quite good in terms of actually addressing these issues compared to the other major American sports. Um, you know, the NFL kind of was where the whole... Yeah, the Nathans should have started, you know, going back to Colin Kaepernick. From Kaepernick, yeah. And look at how he was treated. And that was, what, four years ago, 2016? Um, and, you know, the NBA, I feel like Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has, you know, they, they, the owners, they, they actually got around to the discussion table after the Jacob Blake um, protests. And I think they've done some very meaningful things, things that we've spoken about, Mike, in terms of how to yeah. get real sustainable change. And I don't know if you're, you know, how, you know, you've had a look into this, but the conditions under which they came back to play, of course, um, the resumption um, on Saturday was mm. that um, NBA arenas would be used for voting, um, that the NBA would donate money towards encouraging people to vote, um, assisting voting in areas, because it's a big issue in America where so many people don't vote because their access to voting is restricted. Right, yeah. Um, That they would pay for more ballot counters, you know, they would just make... Making it easier. Voting is the lifeblood of democracy. Um, And I think that's a really tangible thing. And also spending money on actual... um, marketing and programs to help the underdeveloped and to help these inner city areas to help champion you know black causes um 
And I think that's a very tangible thing. And it was dicey, actually. And I remember listening to First Take, uh, which mm-hmm. is um, a daily sports talk show on ESPN. And one of the popular um, kind of uh, characters on there was saying that LeBron um, said, we need a plan. And I think when I heard about the protest, I was like, was this planned? Because it clearly wasn't planned because the Orlando Magic came out to train. They came yeah. to warm up before the match. So the box just didn't turn up um, at all. So clearly yeah. it was a one-off kind of, the, sorry, the, the box kind of took a unilateral decision. So my concern was, I hope they have a plan in terms of how they're going to progress this. And thankfully, they found a way to continue playing, but still have made a point. They made a very strong point. The MLB followed suit. I believe some yeah, cancelled. The right. WNBA cancelled games. But that could have gone sideways as well. Because look at it from this point of view. Imagine they'd come back and they hadn't achieved anything in terms of they hadn't been able to get the owners to sign up to these conditions. They hadn't get some of the league's approval. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It could, yeah, oh, of course. They, it could have ended quite... Uh, you know, because then people would be like, oh, well, you came back to play anyway, you know? Exactly. Um, what did you achieve? And I didn't want that for them. I thought it was right I, and a ballsy move for them to protest. And they also actually rang Jacob Blake's dads, you know? and Which is something that the presidents actually didn't do. Exactly. exactly. So, I think the thing, one of the things I wonder is obviously the players, like I said, the players need the NBA and the NBA needs the players. And it's good to see in the NBA, unlike the NFL, um, real support from the league or at least efforts being made in the league to support what the players want to, to stand for. Um, you know, regardless of, I think, if setting morality aside, but then it's a league that has, there's a certain level of democracy in that league and that the players have sway. But then, you know, yeah, how do I put this? Do the players, do you think there's any, um, how do I say this? You, you'll get, you'll get. <laughs> I, I get there. I think how's it. Should the players emancipate themselves? So Ooh. we've got the NBA as an entity, you've got the uh-huh. union, or and uh, they've got the, uh, and, Help me out here, but what is the name of the union for players in the NBA? Uh, and I think what, it's just the NBA Players Union. Okay, the NBA Players Union. But then, what? Uh, what? There might be a, come a point where what the players demand is coming to such large conflicts with the league, and then there's nothing they can do about it. You know, yeah, we can have a Kaepernick situation, but instead of the league against the, an individual, a league against uh, a large number of players, and the league can ultimately say no because I guess they they hold. Men, they have they hold the financial cards, which is what really is what's it all boils down to. The end of the day, I think the NBA won't come into that kind of conflict. That is the one league I know, like I said, in American sports, that the the you know you have prominent black stars who essentially dictate the the player side of relations, um, mm. and you know you have people like LeBron James, Chris Paul such loud vocal voices, you know, people who are not Kyrie Irving, um, who nearly kiboshed the bubble idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, that's just to show you the power that these top stars have. It's not the same in the NFL. I, I, I'm a big fan of the NFL. I follow the NFL from a sporting point of view. 
and the the owners in that sport have said zilch. Um, I think I can. There's probably about three teams. The one that comes to mind is the Atlanta Falcons owner mm-hmm. Arthur Blank. But apart from him, I'm, I'm trying. I'm struggling to think of any owner who's come out publicly um, to say we would support our players kneeling, which was a big deal in the NFL. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, uh, when the new season starts, so it'll be interesting to see what the NFL does actually in terms of social justice protests. Um, the NBA has got all sorts of Black Lives Matter merchandising on the spot. I watch it um, every other night or so, and you you know there's a message. There's usually a bit in the broadcast dedicated to Black Lives Matter. Players are wearing sneakers with messages, and you know it, it might not seem like a big deal, but it shows that it's on their mind. They're making efforts. It's hard to reconcile playing a sport, I think, and being serious about these things. But I feel the NBA, done it. The NBA does as best as it could. Because yeah, it's got... Go still need to, it's still a business at the end of the day, which is why they're in the bubble. You know, As much as we want to watch playoff basketball, like you rightly said, they had a contract. And that's... I think they like said they it seems they've done quite well. I guess... What's the biggest difference between from what the NBA and the NFL is just the representation of, you know, the black uh, the, the the black population within within the sports. I mean, American football has a lot of black players, but relative to the population of players, it's considerably smaller than the NBA. Um, and also in terms of, uh, you know, in the management side of things and within broadcasting as well, I think the Black American population or black population is best represented there. And I, I guess they have... The, the NFL has a, quite a lot of black players, not as much as the NBA in terms of... Yeah, yeah. And it, it seems um, to be why... Because when I was thinking, why would why is the NBA doing so much better than... I think it's a cultural thing. I think mm. the sports have a different culture. Basketball has a different... Basketball has a star-led culture. You, you're looking at Larry Bird, all, yeah. all the way back from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, all the way to Magic Johnson... Larry Bird to um, Stockton, Malone, um, Jordan, obviously. Yeah. Um, people like like Shaq, Kobe. Yeah. Piece, you know, you, you, you just have, it's a sport that is five players. So one player is like times 20, you know, and an NFL squad has 53 players. Um, and I don't know if you noticed, up until just this recent decade, most of the quarterbacks were white in the NFL. Yeah. They, that's the most important so. position. And in a team, an NFL quarterback can often earn up to 15% of the salary of the whole team. There's 53 players. And one player in 10 to 15% um, of the salary cap. So, and I think the culture of football as well, American football is very much rooted in the Deep South um, behaviour ideologies yeah this idea of um, humility and you know uh, graft and, and graft and just kind of like no star you know the team is a star essentially yeah nfl shield all the teams play for the shield nba is a bit more star driven a bit more confident in itself a bit allows his players to be more expressive you think back to Allen iverson you know that kind of character you just wouldn't find in an nfl arena being a leading player is what i mean no cam newton has been vilified so much because of his expressive demeanor um but you just look at the nba and it's littered full of these kind of the many characters yeah personal favorite being dennis rodman yeah there's characters way back when 
Yeah. yeah. So I think the culture is, is a big deal as to why, to your answer, to your question, why the NBA, I feel, is always going to be a step or a couple of numerous steps ahead of the NFL in terms of this particular issue. Because what this is all about is acknowledging that black people have had their rights violated systemically or systematically. Um, they've had, you know, infamously, there was a kink in the constitution of the US that meant that a black person was three fifths of a human. Um, and that was only amended, you know, in the 1800s or whatever. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a systematic issue and, and the biases and the prejudices are still there. And I think, yeah. Most ultimately, it's, they reveal themselves in armed, uh, yeah, armed the, the way police yeah. <laughs> treat, treat, uh, people. Uh, but, I mean, we can go on about this because there, there's so much, it's such a, particularly when within the context of the United States, it's just such a, there's so much to unpack there, so much history, so much tension, and it seems to be boiling over into more and more conflict. But I guess at the end of the day, the NBA is, is doing very well, uh, all things considered, I guess. Mm -hmm. It goes to show where there's a will, there's a way, and they've managed to also make that commercially viable, which is ultimately been the aim of restarting the league, um, uh, the, the, the aim of, of this, uh, this bubble isolation zone. There was actually meant to be a second isolation zone because it was uh, only 22 of the 30 yes. teams were selected. And for the remaining eight teams, they were meant to have a bubble in Chicago if Tall Allen to play. But I suppose it wasn't, it wasn't worth their while. It was decided in the end, and I suppose for commercial reasons, because it costs a ton of money to, to get this thing up and going. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And Disney is, I think Disney have been brilliant in, I suppose it was always going to be Disney because obviously they're one of the broadcasters. Uh, Disney's lost a lot of money from not having people visiting um, plus, the, the plus site. they had the facilities. They had they, did. they had the um, the what, sports complex, sports ESPN complex and the hotels. Yeah. Because yeah. another thing is, think about these players. They're going to have to be there till October. If if you get to the final, you're going to be you're going to have to have been there from July seventh up until October the twelfth. It's good, you know, three months. So, uh, yeah, they've really made it worth. So, what else did I saw? You know, players were getting cake, they have caterers, uh, preparing it three, three meals a day plus uh, four meals a day, um, four meals on the day of the matches as well. Um, they have, yeah, could prepare by a Disney meal team. Um, funnily enough, they, they get players, the quality of players' accommodation is allocated based on the team's rankings. So, of course, hierarchy, <laughs> yeah, best was, teams get the yeah, best. Yeah, I thought that was interesting, yeah. That was quite funny. Manicurist, barbers, braiders, there's gaming, golf, excursions to Disney's Animal Kingdom. I mean, this thing's been, it's been really well organized. We, I mean, yeah. there, there have been some notable um, excursions out of the bubble. So, Lou Williams, <laughs> Lou Williams is a um, six-man candidate of the year. So, for those who don't know NBA parlance, um, like we said, there's five starters, um, usually two guards, uh, two forwards and a centre, although that's all changed um, in terms of positionless basketball. But Lou Williams is usually the first sub off the bench, basically. So he's, he's a guard, plays for the Los Angeles Clippers, who are championship contenders. Um, and um, I believe he attended a funeral, um, which he was given permission to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
but then he then went to a Hooters um, in ATL, which had yeah. some wings named after him, the Sweet Lou. They're called Sweet Lou Wings. Um, and um, yeah, he visited his favorite establishment um, of the uh, nightlife variety, should we say? Um, <laughs> scantily clad um, performers. And um, whilst there, he also had some dinner. So, uh, yeah, I think he, I think someone um, kind of reported him as, you know, kind, yeah. kind of uh, dubbed him in, saying, oh, we saw him. Yeah, I think you know, someone photographed him as well yeah. in, in, in the establishment and they, <laughs> they quickly deleted it, but it's too little, too late. So he, uh, he had to serve a period of quarantine. I don't know if yeah. he was fine, but, you know, there's, he's the I mean, only one. There's been a couple of others. Well, it's tough living in a bubble. It must be, yeah, especially for players with families. So nice things for pros and cons of that set. And definitely one of the big drawbacks, particularly for players who have families. Um, you know, three months away from, from, from your loved ones and with no way of, I mean, fine, we have the joy of digital communication, which makes it easy to speak to people. But I imagine if for, for players with, with uh, you know, children with difficulties or who may be looking after uh, other family members who are vulnerable, it must be, you know, money. There's only so much money you can do, but then taking away that physical connection is, is quite difficult. So, I mean, he did, Lou didn't have a good reason to, to uh, break his, his quarantine. Well, he had a funeral, but he definitely didn't need to be partaking in other activities. Yeah. But, um, he didn't need to do that. It, it is difficult. Now, as someone who's been watching the games, you know, what, how do you think this has impacted the quality of the matches and you know, just what and how do you think it's taken effect of the players in terms of the physical toll of playing so many games in quick succession? So I'll I'll use a unique team actually to, as a kind of case uh, uh, study. So the Portland Trailblazers recently exited the playoffs and the bubble um, after losing four uh, one to the Los Angeles Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. However, um, as you alluded, there were actually only 22 teams. And in American uh, you know, parlance, you have the playoff seedings, one to eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Portland were not the eighth. I think they were ninth. I think they were ninth. Okay. But essentially, they were one of the Western Conference teams who had the opportunity to get in um, into the playoffs. Um, I think they were 10th. Um, but essentially... They were essentially they were in the playoff mindset right from the time they got to the bubble because they had to win so many games to get into the playoffs essentially, and I think they won nine on the bounce to get in. Uh, That's a very good record. And so they were in playoff mentality. So for them, the bubble worked, and the Phoenix Suns as well, who were the lowest ranked of all the teams there, actually nearly got into the playoffs as well because they won like eight games or something, and. There's definitely a lack of intensity, I'd say, right at the start, which fans mm-hmm. give you. Um, in the playoffs thus far, um, the Dallas Mavericks versus the Los Angeles Clippers was very tightly con- contested. I think the lack of fans, that would have been, again, that would have been a very a closer fought series. Um, Los Angeles won 4 2. So I think, in terms of the players, the higher ranked teams seem to struggle. The Milwaukee Bucks and Los Angeles Lakers didn't have that great a run-in until they got to the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. And they've been a bit more sluggish. 
Um, I think in terms of injuries, some of the teams have basically come back as new teams because wow. players have been able to support them to a totally different team. Um, you know, the Suns have a few additions. Indiana had a new few additions. So a player called TJ Warren played really, really well. Um, and yeah, so I think the dynamics change, you know, you don't have that home, um, what's it called in football that we have advantage, advantage, you know, it's the same in basketball because usually the highest seed will start off with two games at their place. Then you go back for one game, then two, two, one, two, one, I think best of seven series. Um, so you don't have the same thing because everyone's playing on the same court. (laughs) So So it's very much more of a, like Mm. an even playing field. Yeah, yeah, it seems that. Side of things. Um, but the quality of the basketball has just been as good, to be honest. Really, really good. Um, we've seen some monster performances. Um, the Utah Jazz versus the Denver Nuggets, that's a tight series. It's 3 3. Um, yeah. I've seen like Donovan Mitchell score 50 points twice. Wow. Jamal Murray scored 42 and 50. So, yeah. It's 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 the quality. There'll be some good quality games, quality. yeah. Good. So yeah, someone was saying that because the players are obviously in this confined space or in this enclosure, that they're just their life is really going to be all basketball. So, in a way, it might bring out the best of them in the sense that they have plenty of time to practice, and you know, distractions are limited, so it can you know, it should in theory um, encourage players to, to come out. Some players at least come out all guns blazing and be maybe fine. They don't have the intensity with, without the fans, but in terms of just technical, in terms of the technical side of things, you know, plenty of practice, come out as sharp as possible. Um, mm-hmm. I hear. I, mean, I think players with families might they might be the ones who might struggle more than like a younger player perhaps who doesn't have those ties. But, yeah. Um, I know even LeBron's spoken about the challenges of being away from his kids. You know, LeBron's got two two sons and a daughter. Um, the daughter's fairly young, um, so you know, and just being away from family. And LeBron's a big family man. Um, yeah, you know, Taco Tuesday. Um, <laughs> you know, and um, so even a legend like that um, will will definitely feel the strain. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh... So it's been a good, good return to the season. I believe the playoffs are now. We are what the semi-finals. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I think by and large, um, so the Lakers are through, Clippers are through, so they're through to the semi-finals. Yeah. Um, but I think they're waiting on their respective comp- opponents because Eastern Rockets and Oklahoma City Thunder have gone to a game seven. Um, okay. And Denver Nuggets and. Uh, the Utah Jazz. That's right. Um, have gone to Game Seven as well. So I mean, for those top seeds, so Clippers and Lakers, they get they've had like an extra three four days rest now, because they've they they, you know, kind of wrapped up their first round games series. Sorry, and um, so that would be another factor of fatigue. Um, but again, Houston have got elite scorers. Um, I think the the win of the Houston OKC series will play the Lakers. So yes, um, so we might see some LeBron versus the Beard action. Uh, <laughs> Russell Westbrook had the strain, hamstring strain, I think. So remains to be seen. But um, yeah, I think I'm backing the Lakers to go all the way to to the finals. And I 
probably um, will. I think, you know, the Clippers will get to the Western Conference Finals. It'll be a tightly, tightly contested thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Miami sprung a surprise, the Heat. So Jimmy Butler dropped 40 points on the box. Wow. Um, so yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they, took game they crushed it. Yeah, they took game one. I mean, Miami have a very kind of unique approach to basketball. Um, so I think they're very much defense oriented team. And the way they score their points is more so um, rather than kind of a steady stream of scoring. Um, they have like three point shooters. So they kind of three and D is the term. So essentially three being the three ball D being defense. So it's a bit like, yeah. So defense counter attacking exactly. so pressure and then yeah. catch your opponents that's with the uh, lots of shots in transition. Yeah. Um, their point guard, Goran Dragic is more of a, a two guard, what they call a two guard. So, bit of shooting guard because he shoots the three ball very well, shoots the jump shot very well. And obviously you have Jimmy Butler, yeah. who's kind of like your classic all-star, but who just, you know, exemplifies a 3 and D so well. But he can also take you off the dribble. Um, he, you know, he's got the long-range game. He can go into the post. He drives to the post. And I think they've got Andre Godala, who was on the Warriors winning team. Again, another defensive stud. Um They've got a couple of really good rookies, Kendrick Nunn and um, Tyler Hierro, um, who are really good shooters. So, and Bama Debayo at center. Shout out, another Nigerian. <laughs> you know, who's a defensive beast. Um, so, yeah, I think Miami definitely will give the box a, a tough task. I mean, the box have got, obviously, Yanis, the Greek freak. Uh, yeah. Um, and um, Chris Middleton, very good. Kyle Culver off the bench. Um, George Hill. But I think my, my problem with the box is if you shut down Yanis, you know, mm-hmm. halfway there. That's my concern with them, you know. Um, so we'll see because Miami, if they're good to, I mean, you can't shut down Yanis the whole series, but if they can shut him down three times or four times, then they win. They put them in good sex. They're, they're, they're 1 0 up as it stands. Exactly. And I'm looking at this year. It's, it's going to be, I mean, it's, they are the underdog. Dogs, um, because from like they're seeded fifth in Milwaukee, uh, number one seed on the Eastern Conference. And from looking at the results, actually, the compared to the Western Conference, the the Eastern Conference was quite quite one sided. We've got four one, four nil, four nil, four nil. Yeah, that's, yeah. So that's it's the age old problem in the NBA. So there's for years they've said the East is weaker than the West, and to be honest, competitively, yes. Um, but I think I have another theory. LeBron was in the East for so long. A lot of the stars ran away. That's the truth. Um, you know, they left the Eastern Conference because. Why is that? Why? Why would they? What's wrong with the Eastern Conference? Or what? What does the West offer that the East isn't giving to the players? Um, I think if you look at it from the Western Conference point, that's where all the Los Angeles teams are. So, you know, if you want to be lifestyle based, you might say Sonia Weber. Um, yeah. You might say that teams like Houston, low income tax, no income, no state tax. Um, yeah. Perhaps as another attractive feature, the style of basketball. I think you know the coaches in the West, so it's West's um, Western Conference. It's just accumulation of talent on that side. Of, you know, I think on the Eastern Conference, you just have teams that are really bad leadership as well, like the New York Knicks. 
like um, Wizards, the Washington Wizards, terrible ownership, um, you know, and just Mori Brand franchises who don't draft well. Chicago haven't drafted really well for a long time. Um, so I think it's just the way it's been a talent drain, I would say, to the West, um, by and large, um, has kind of led to that kind of lopsided um, conference structure. But having said that, the Buck, you know, they, they had the best record in the NBA last year, and they're from the East. So I'll say, the way I would say is that the East is more top-heavy, is what I would say. So you have some excellent teams right at the top. So Miami, um, the Buck, Celtics, are always in the Yeah, Boston Celtics, yeah. Um, Good team. I'll just say as well, I think the Eastern teams are just less flashy, you know, so when you talk about the Celtics, they're also very good defensively. They know their assignments and they score in such an efficient manner. So the Celtics will always share the scoring. Jason Tatum will get 20 points. Kemba Walker will get 18. Um, Jalen Brown will get 20. You know, it's just that kind of, they share the ball, they, they score. Um, and then you look at teams like Indiana as well, good team, um, decent team. Um, and... Uh, Who's the other team on the? Is it who's who's playing the? The Celtics are playing. Uh, Toronto. I can't remember. They're playing. They're playing Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Toronto won like the NBA's finals last year. So I would say the East is top heavy. That's the best way to put it. And you know, Toronto have you know they obviously lost Kawhi Leonard, but they still have Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, um, Serge Ibaka. So they've got some really good players, you know. So I'll, I'll just say that lead, that part of the com- that conference is more top heavy to answer your. So hence the yeah. this weird. The West is more competitive. Yeah, yeah I can see that from from the games with some type. Well, looking forward to what the, the finals begin on the thirtieth. Schedule to begin on the thirtieth of September. Whether or not that happens, COVID will let us know. Indeed. Um, but it's been it's seen it's been good to get the sports back. I think that's what I'll say. Um, obviously, I'm just a casual observer. I don't have your don't have your in depth knowledge of basketball, <laughs> as I think everyone who's listening to this podcast will, will be we, able to. We hear. all bring different things. We all bring different things. <laughs> so um, just like you, you schooled us on the contract and the financial and uh, accounting, you know, elements. That side of things, of, yeah. Side of things, you know, it's, we all have our bits and. Uh, yeah, like you know, like you said, I think all in all, the bubble's been a success. I think, um, you know, Jacob Blake's shooting obviously created an issue that I'm sure the league had hoped wouldn't happen, which was some sort of impasse. Yeah, um, they found a way past that, um, and they're you know seeking to make proper change. And um, yeah, wish them all the best in terms of as a league. Um, and um, like you say, look forward to seeing the rest of the seeing the rest of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess on that bombshell, indeed, um, we will conclude today's episode. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening, um, and we look forward to having you on our next episode. Uh, topic to be decided and shared, of course. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, thanks, Daniel. Uh, as well thanks Mike thanks thanks to you all for listening and um, please drop a comment um, on our Instagram page um, yes like and follow us on Twitter and um, Instagram um, yes. as well and um, big shout out to M Lifestyle obviously 
this podcast is in collaboration with and lifestyle please check out and lifestyle read the articles and um follow and like their posts as well and um we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the facts podcast yeah excellent all right thank you